Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and the old cross builder himself. It's Joe White. <laughs> I like the word old, Shay. I fit that part of it really well. Funny you mentioned the cross, Shay. We're talking about love today, and I just rewatched for the 16th time, I suppose, uh, Jesus carrying the cross in the Passion video, watching Jesus literally hug the cross as he bled profusely from his brow because the crown of thorns were beating his brow and bleeding from the flogging he had just experienced from Rome and hugging that cross all the way up to the top of that hill so he could reach his arms out as wide as they could reach with nails in his hands saying, world, this is what love looks like. You know, that would be the ultimate example. We're talking about leadership. And as you guys know, we're in the middle of our Next Generation Leader series. We've taken inspiration from 1 Timothy 4.12 that says, Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about the character quality of love and that how that um, flows through the life of a leader. Joe, we've got some special guests in-house. I'm excited for you to introduce them. We do, uh, and, a, and a couple that really loves each other. Uh, Debbie Joe's and my best friends, uh, Keith and Karen Chancy, probably the most admired, appreciated, loved couple that any of us around K-Land, they've been married 35 years to one another, but their history with Canicut goes back at about 10 more years. Keith has been working at Canicut for 44 years. He grew up in Dallas, Texas, and grew up in a very poverty-oriented family, made his pocket change, shape by waking up every morning at 4.30 or 5 and throwing a newspaper route for years. That was his hobby, collecting old coins. <laughs> and Keith grew up, fortunately, with a wonderful, wonderful mom and has experienced redemption through his dad over the years as well. But Keith was a football player, played at Washtenaw Baptist, and then even left camp one summer and played with the St. Louis Cardinal football team for a summer. But better than that, Keith was a youth director at Den Bible Church for many years and had a fantastic, dynamic youth group. Then when we vote K-7 in the early 90s, Keith and Karen were selected to be the directors. Most recently, Keith and Karen have built the Canacuck Institute, and they have now celebrated their 20th anniversary running the Canacuck Institute, loved by all, a life changer. Keith also married over his head, above the yes, rim, sir. as Shay and I know so well. Uh, lovely Karen, a Kansas City girl, cheered for the Chiefs, cheered for the Cardinals football team, uh, was a golden girl at Mizzou, the very world-famous dancing company, but she's probably best in pickleball. I've seen her beat Keith in pickleball ah. several <laughs> times. She's a seminary grad. She co-hosts the Institute with Keith. They run it. Together, they do everything together. 
Shay, this is going to be a great privilege to meet a couple who's been in love for a long, long time. <laughs> it really is. I got I got some quick getting to know you. I love you questions. Okay, um, what brand or flavor of ice cream do you love the most? Quick hitter here. Cappuccino chunk. Oh my, chance. Chocolate mint. Chocolate mint. <laughs> Your favorite, most loved dog breed. Golden retrievers. Every color. We had every color. every color. You're in on, on that. Generation five. <laughs> All right. Hot summer day. What do you love to do most? Oh, my word. That That's a great question. That Karen, I know what yours is. You like to take those long walks or runs in the afternoon I and do. sweat. It's I like unbelievable. Do you really? I, I love she to does. sweat. Hey, I when you're sweating, you're getting something done. That's right. I'm, I'm burning more calories that way. Sure. And Keith, hot summer day, loves to take our grandson swimming in the oh, pool man, at K7. Oh, that is so fun. You know, you talked about 20 years at the Institute. I think I was year four of that uh, 20 years. You guys have poured a lot of passion into that. Mm-hmm. And this spring... You know, this this podcast is releasing in, in July. This last spring, we hosted a great celebration, 20-year mm-hmm. reunion. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about all the love that you poured into that. Oh, my gosh. You know, I the word to describe it is humbled. You know, Karen, I just wept. And, and even as I talk about it, I'm going to weep again because I don't know if there's any greater thing that's ever happened in my life than to watch these students that have come through that are making an impact out in the world because they're equipped biblically and their relationship with the Lord is tight and they're out there doing as a teammate with all of us what we could never do alone and they're impacting our world. Shay, that's unbelievable. And I'm so thankful because I sat there and I, as I was thinking about this weekend, I thought about Joe and I thinking about this dream, this vision and what it could do and how it could reach the world. And, you know, we see a lot of kids come through Canuck, they're fired up and then they run out and we go, what are we going to do with them? And our goal is to disciple. And so it's really been fun to get them discipled and equipped and sent. How about for you, Karen? How did you feel during all that? What was the, you know, some of those fond memories? How did you process all of it? I was so emotional, and I'm going to be emotional again, the entire time. Mm -hmm. I mean, to see 400 people converge in Branson, Missouri, with a common purpose of loving Jesus and proclaiming His Word, and seeing them be steadfast in what God has called them to do was Mm -hmm. really overwhelming. It was overwhelming. And this side of heaven, that Mm -hmm. may be one of the greatest things I've ever experienced, and then just makes me long for when we're all together, Mm -hmm. you know, with the Lord. Shay, one of the things that was so fun is to watch how many different types of jobs people were doing. Oh, I know. <laughs> you it. know, and then going, every one of them were impacting for the Lord. It wasn't just you had to go into full-time ministry. Right. Every one of them are in full-time ministry. <laughs> so that was the beauty of it. I was telling Joe after that re- that reunion, almost consecutive conversations, I was talking to a rural church planner <laughs> in Central Texas I was interrupted by a guy in the middle of the hood, Lee Jackson, you know, who's been there his entire adult life ministering to guys. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to Ben Schmidt, who's got all kinds of favor in Division One locker room up at UNI. And you're just like, these are world changers, Mm -hmm. changers. next generation leaders. Wow. So awesome. It was such a blessing. Mm. So as I mentioned, we're talking about love and leadership. And 
you know, we had the chances on on purpose for this topic because you guys are driven out of love. In fact, you're fired up and going nuts every minute ministering to and chasing the dream of raising up next generation leaders. Talk to us about the examples that set you on this course. Who did you see leading with love? You know, when you just had a, you know, whatever that aha moment was, that's that's the way that I'm going to lead. That's where, that's the direction that we're running. Karen, would you like to start out? Sure. I mean, we've been around this place for a really, wow. really long time. And we had a pretty good example mm-hmm. in Joe and Debbie Joe of really seeking to to lead by loving others. And it's such a distinction from the world because you can have a good boss. You can have, you know, they can be nice to you and they can even encourage you. But to be loved and to be known really kind of inspires mm-hmm. you to want to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. And we had we had a boss at Denton Bible with Tom Nelson, same thing. He loved us. He encouraged us in our giftedness. And, you know, when somebody does that, it lights a fire and, and it just makes you want to do well. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think Keith's, mm-hmm. where does it say in scripture that your goal was to make your your boss your wealthy? Your boss rich. You know, and... Paul was so good about that. Yeah. yeah. You know, Shay, the, uh, as I look back over my life, Karen said it's so good. Joe and Debbie Joe were such great examples. I'll talk more about that in a second. But as a high school senior, a guy named Tommy Maxwell actually led me to Christ. And he led me to Christ because he asked a question of me. He said, Chancey, why are you so angry? And I'd never had anybody asking that before, but it was absolutely the root of who I was. I was an angry kid with no direction. And all I wanted to prove on the football field, the track, uh, me that I was better than everybody. And, and that day when he said, tell me who you're angry at, all my anger was vented towards my dad. And I was angry at God. And he said, you know what? I'm going to help you something. He walked me through Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. And that day I gave my life to Christ. And I said, this is what I want to do. He took the time to ask me questions. A great leader asks great questions. And he made me realize who I was. I was a sinner, but I was blaming the wrong person for my sin. It was not God. It was me. I'd made mistakes and man was fallen and I needed someone to help me understand. It was the Savior, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross, that rose from the grave and offered to me through his grace salvation. And I could never be good enough outside of doing anything. It was Christ alone that paved my way. Tommy helped me understand that. And then the next person when I was in college, I began to ask God, will you send me someone to disciple me? And he led me a guy that began to teach me about the disciplines of the Lord. When I began to understand how to pray, memorize scripture, and begin to read my Bible through, I thought, this is unbelievable. And at that time, I heard about a camp called Canicut Camp. And when I came up here and met the legendary Joe White, I thought, oh my gosh, I have died and gone to heaven because this is the apostle Paul reincarnate. I mean, this guy (laughs) was a a beast on the football field. Everywhere he went, he went a hundred miles an hour. And I said, that is the man I want to follow. And I, you know, what's really funny is Joe called me. He said, I, I, I was set up for an interview and I set up a call with Joe and I called him and he asked me a question. It's a chance. How long do you want, want to work here? What I didn't know, he's talking about terms. I said the rest of my life. Well, I'm still here, okay? So uh, 44 years later, I'm still here because this man modeled something that was so incredible. Joe's passion for Jesus beats anyone I've ever known. And so it was really fun to watch Joe model his uh, memorizing scripture, 
his love of Jesus, his passion for sharing Christ with every kid, for developing discipleship. And so I have had some great mentors. Tom Nelson was also a mentor of mine. And so when you look at these people, every one of them have a commonality. They loved Jesus. Hmm. Joe, you got a lot of credit there. <laughs> I know you're going to redirect it. I'm, I'm curious, who was it in your story that modeled love and leadership? Well, Shay, such a great question. I, there's been too many to count. It's awesome for Keith and Karen and I and you as well, Shay, to go back to our mommy. Um, <laughs> you know, you only have one mommy, and she's still mommy today, even though she's in heaven. And the shadow of her smile still shadows over my life. And my dad, especially as I got older, don't think he missed a college football game. Wherever we played, Daddy was always in the stands cheering and yelling and always finding the best of the performance, which oftentimes wasn't that good of a performance. And we got to work together for 30 or so years after college. And then, of course, Shay, you know, I met the woman of my dreams, Miss Debbie Jo, who's been loving me for 50 years, all to her credit. Uh, this is our golden year, and that girl is is a servant to the max. She loves to get behind the scenes and do what's necessary to make other people smile. As you guys know, we our listening audience is it's pretty diverse. I mean, we've got a large age range, and we've got you know, a whole bunch of students that are listening and then a bunch of young professionals and folks in the full-time ministry. And so there's a lot of variety and experience out there, all kinds of different leaders that they're underneath or, or maybe um, above. So this is an interesting question. Are, are love and leadership separable? I mean, can you be a successful leader without love? What do you think, Karen? I'm going to say, you know what? It might be possible to be interested in people as a leader, but love invests in people. Mm -hmm. And love is regardless of, you know, if you are a, an accountant or you run a big company, but investing in people because you love them. And I truly believe as Christians, we are given that love from the Holy Spirit because that's the first fruit of the Spirit you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And so if we have the Holy Spirit within us, that love is going to permeate to the people that work with us. We're going to be, we're going to want to be invested in their families' lives, in their personal life, in the things that they are interested in and in their hobbies. And I think all of us can do that. I know that we were loved well so many times, even in tragedy, you know, of, of losing a son and the people around us that were in leadership positions, you know, paid for our hospital bills, paid for our funeral bills. They loved us well. I know that within camp, you know, we get a, a little happy on our birthday or on our anniversary <laughs> or at Christmas. And, you know, those things seem like little things, but they communicate that we're loved. And so anyway. So that's, that's where I go. I, I believe, I, I told the students this, and they looked at me like I was from the Stone Age. But I said, do you all remember the DC Talk song, Love is a Verb? They did it. They had <laughs> no, never heard no, it. Never heard so it. I, want all to, I want you to Google it because it's really great. But it is. Love is a verb. It's an action word. And we go and we are to love as Christ loved us. And, and that's sacrificially as well. Yeah. 
Chance, you've had a lot of coaches over the years. Oh, man. Did you have uh, successful coaches who did or didn't love you? You know, that is a great question because I think of all of them. I think all the way back to elementary, my first coach, Coach Sumner. And then if it wasn't Coach Sumner, it's Coach Phelps. After Coach Phelps, it was Coach Caldwell. After Coach Caldwell, it was Coach Benson. Every one of them had a great influence in my life because wow. they believed in me. Hmm. And all the way back to my first coach, Coach Sumner, he told me, he said, I don't know if I've ever had a finer athlete ever. And he said, Chancey, you're going to do great things. Then Coach Phelps, same thing. Coach Caldwell, Chancey, don't you ever give up because there's something greater out there. You seem to be a team player that makes people better around you. Little did I know it really wasn't football. It was Christ. And, and, and I, I, I stand here today, football was just an avenue for me to love Jesus better and to love teammates. And, and so all these coaches, they were trying to bring out the best to me sports-wise, and they did do a great job of that by believing me. But once again, I'll go back. When I came, gave my life to Christ, it was a game changer. I no longer was trying to rewrite the record books, so to speak, athletically. I was rewriting the record books of eternity. Mm. And God was using me through the sports and the gifts that he gave to me to make a difference leadership-wise for the kingdom. And as I came to Kanakuk, I began to watch the likes of all these that I was privileged with that I go, they're coming from Oklahoma, Texas. They're coming from Louisiana. They're coming from all around the country. And we're converging there in Lampy, Missouri. And all these great athletes are talking about Jesus. And even though back on my campus, I thought, you know what? I'm not really having that great of an impact until I saw what we could all do when we all converged together. And I thought, if we can do it here at camp, I saw a vision. Why can we not take it back to where we're at? And why can't we bloom where we're planted? Mm -hmm. And boy, that was amazing for me, Shay. It was really fun. Hey, listeners, Shay Robbins here. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd like to personally ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. With your help, we can continue to reach more listeners. We're excited to hear from you. Please send questions to our team for a special audience Q&A recording in the future. Additionally, we're also interested to hear your suggestions for guests and topics. Send your questions and suggestions to podcast at canacuck.com. And now back to the show. Joe, from your perspective, how does love change the nature of leadership? Years ago, a dear man that is now deceased named Richard Beach that we all got to work with around Kennecuck for years and years made a profound statement when he said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Interestingly enough, a few summers ago, there was a survey done by the NCAA that asked coaches across the nation if you had a son and you want him to be like another coach, who would you want him to be like? And the first place tie of all the coaches in America was two men that, I, that I've had a chance to be associated with, Mark Rick, who coached at Georgia at that time, and Bob Stoops, who coached at Oklahoma at that time. Those two men, probably Shea, were the best I've ever met at loving their players on and off the field. They didn't just love the player, they loved the man. They loved the student, and they loved future dreams in their players until their players believed that they could play 
at the highest level possible even to win conference championships and to be ranked in the national polls. Love and leadership are Siamese twins. You can't have one without the other. Chancy, speak to some of the listeners who are working in the secular work environment. How does a leader in the secular work environment leverage love in their leadership? What's that look like? Wow, that is a great question. And you know, I, I love what, uh, when you look at 1 John three sixteen, it says, no greater love than this than one would lay down his life for his friends. Meaning Jesus laid down his life. And when you're in the marketplace, you know, and you lay your life down, and what, what it means to lay your life down is that means to come alongside of another and offer yourself to another to help them in any way you can. It's not trying to get a leg up on them or trying to beat them, but you're trying to pull people up to great to create a team, to make your boss rich, so to speak, like Karen was talking about at the beginning, is that we want our company, whatever we do, to be the best that it could possibly be. And how do you do that? It's by taking the gifts that everyone has maximizing those, not being in competition with each other, but to raise up each other to be the very, very best that we can become in order for our team, our company, whatever it is that we work for, our team of people to glorify God in a way that brings just a smile on everybody's face that they go, you guys truly are Christians. And I think that Christianity is so contagious. People want to be a part of that team, like here at Canicuck, who doesn't want to work for Canicuck? You know, and the reason they want to work here is not because uh, we pay so much and it's, you know, the greatest environment in the world, because they go, those people love us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're loved, you'll make a great sacrifice of finances and things because you go, they believe in me. And so, you know, Shay, if you're out there in the real world today and in the world of, of, of trying to make a difference and you're going, well, you know, am I really doing that? Well, you know what? You sure can. It doesn't matter. There's, I, I just feel like there's, you don't really need a job. You've got a purpose. Your purpose is to impact where you're at for the kingdom of God. Make it rich. Encourage others. Develop into them. Ask questions. How are you doing? What's your pain? How can I pray for you? And because of that, they're going to ask what do you know? What makes you different? And then when we have that opportunity, we talk about Christ. We don't try to change what they're doing. We don't try to tell them what's wrong about them. We show them the grace of God. And through his love and through his majesty, they want to know our Savior. Mm. You know, Karen, one of the things I love about the Chanseys is that your leadership is not compartmentalized just to your profession <laughs> uh, or your discipleship program. But it's, you know, if you're going to be a Christ follower, you have to be a leader, right? Because you're going to be swimming upstream in a culture that's going against you. That's what. That's why we believe every single kid that comes through those gates is a next generation leader in the making. Talk to us about being a leader who loves in your neighborhood, in your community. I'm really glad you said that because I was teaching a few weeks ago, and I was amazed at how many times the scripture said, love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. Leviticus, Mark 12, Matthew 22, James 2, Galatians 5, Romans 13. Wow, it's almost like you were ready for this question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's just everywhere. And I, what I really loved was it says in Romans 13, it says that all of the law, 613 of the law, all comes due on one word, love, and love your neighbor as yourself. Hmm. And I just think that's so important that 
of all the commandments. We can fulfill all the commandments with just one, loving our neighbor. So it means looking, what are the needs right next door to us? We, we have a sweet family next door that uh, has a sweet little girl and we try to minister to her. It means what is our neighbor going through at work? Oh, he lost his job. How can we come alongside? It means, wow, you know, who's struggling? And, and how can we help meet that need? We have a young couple that just had a baby. Okay, we can take a meal, but you know what? We can do a whole lot more. Mm. And it's just looking beyond ourselves and looking towards the needs of others to love our neighbor as ourselves. I just had a revelation. <laughs> I don't know how many leadership books that I've read, podcasts that I've listened to. There's endless amounts of seminars and programs and degrees out there that you can get on leadership. But one of our family values is I'm third. And, you know, we asked the kids, you know, some religious leaders came up to Jesus and they asked him, what was the greatest commandment? Mm. And they all pipe off, you know, even down to our five-year-old Piper, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor like yourself. And you know what's so cool is kids know how to love. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not that far-reaching to be the kind of leader that changes somebody's life and makes a difference. Keith and Karen, I have one more question for you. How do you grow, go about growing in love? Like, how do you exercise that muscle? I'll go quickly and then I'll defer to my husband. I think we never stop learning. We never stop looking. We never stop going, okay, I did it. We keep looking at needs around us. We keep investing into people. And I believe that mm. as we do that, the Holy Spirit just brings to mind ways we can love each other mm. and, and go deeper in that love. That is such a good question. You know, I, I just think of Paul's words and, and Philippians just thinking we got to see others more important than ourselves. And when my focus is to truly love others as Christ loved the church and I see them for who God made them to be, I'll love people a whole lot more because I see their value. But when I don't see people's value, it's amazing how I become a really ugly person. Mm -hmm. And boy, that type of feeling is just terrible. And it's what puts us all into discouragement, doubt, and depression. But when we see others more important than ourselves, it is the most amazing thing in the world to watch how we just beam and just glorify God in so many ways. So I'm excited just to, to be a part of a ministry here like Canacuck that we're able to watch so many of us bring smiles on so many faces because of we see them more important. Mm -hmm. One thing I think of, Chancey, you know, my love wanes when I get critical mm -hmm. in my mind. And the counter to that is the closer that I get to Jesus, the more attuned I am to my own sinful nature. And, you know, it's funny, I, I do think I'm being sanctified. I think I am more and more holy every day, but, but my... Uh, disdain for my own sin is growing more and more every day. And, and the less I think of myself and the more I bask in the immense value of God's forgiveness and grace for me and toward me, it gives me the capacity to love better. You know, Shay, right there, you know, people always say this, Chancey, you always say everything's all good. Why? 
And because scripture says all things work together for good, which is easy to understand until it says according to his purpose. We love the first without the second. But if you can learn the second according to his purpose, it is all good. So it doesn't matter what happens in my life. It's still all good because God is good. But when I start thinking how bad, oh, no, life, the, the sky's falling. It's amazing how I go to that dark spot. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so important to have that all good, not a, a, an oblivious deal, but trust in God alone. That's right. Joe, I want to I want to pass it to you. There's a lot here to chew on, but uh, I want to pass it off to you. Give us a final charge for our listeners. What's it look like to lead with a loving heart? Shay, I admire Keith and Karen for so many things, but one of the things I admire them the most is you judge a tree by its fruit, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And their two children, Cameron and Callie, are just two of the neatest now uh, young grown-ups that I've ever met in my life. And they got that watching Keith and Karen love each other. And Shay, your kids, the way your six little farm kids work together and do love each other so well and love others so well, it's because you and Ashley love each other so well. Love, as you've been saying over and over again, this program boils down to being a role model of love. I was just reading about uh, the. I was just reading about one of the most renowned artists in America. Her name is Johnny. She's loved across this country. She paints with her teeth. Her teeth hold the drawing pencil, and her artistry is unbelievable. Well, she's been paralyzed because of a skiing accident for decades. But along comes Ken. Decades ago, a sweet school teacher named Ken comes along, and he loves Johnny unconditionally. From her neck up, she's brilliant. From her neck down, she's paralyzed. And when he fell in love with her, he knew that he'd be her makeup artist. He knew he would be her night care nurse. He knew he'd be the grocery shopper. He knew he'd be the cook. He knew he'd be the emotional support. And she suffered many sicknesses, including COVID, including breast cancer. But all of that was not bigger than his love for her. And through his love, like Keith and Karen and like Shay and Ashley, they're national heroes for that great word called love. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much to the Chanceys for joining us today. And we thank you, our audience, for sharing your time with us. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to leadership and spiritual growth. And with that, we would love to pray for you. Father, we come to you today and we, um, we thank you for your kindness and your grace and your mercy towards us. I pray today that we would bask in how much we're loved by you and then in turn, we could turn around with that same love and, and share it with others. Um, we pray that you would raise up next generation leaders that are courageous, that are fearless, that are purposeful, and that love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. 
And for more information about Canacook, you can visit canacook.com. Mm-hmm.